Hello and welcome to another edition of Baby Talk. This is our show for the races of Sunday, August 1st, as the calendar turns up here in the August place to be, Saratoga Springs. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you from the Degenerate Flophouse once again. It's not really so much of a flop house anymore. I've actually converted it into kind of a TV studio slash uh, fitness center. But there are a couple of bunks upstairs for the randos who pass in and out of town during the course of the Saratoga meet. And one of those randos, well, he's not so random. He is the – actually, i got to get your correct title. I'm gonna, I'll leave that to you. I'm just going to say for right now, he is uh, he's a very important man at Gainesway. He's also an accomplished horse player. He's Sean Tugel. Sean, what's up, my man? Hanging in there, Pete. Doing well and uh, happy we got this this show going up and going. We gave out some big winners last weekend, and hopefully this weekend uh, we come back and 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 continue the the positive ROI. So uh, when we all roll in there for uh, the upcoming sale next week, we're we're not getting tomatoes thrown at us. <laughs> I think we're going to be okay based on the performance so far. I, I mean, I know we're going to continue to do our best and have success this weekend i'm not giving ourselves a free pass or anything but based on what we've done so far i'm feeling pretty good about avoiding the rotten fruit what is your exact job title so i can internalize that it is uh it's a mouthful it's uh director of stallion sales and recruitment so uh focus on uh all those stallion sales and syndication at gainsway and uh and then also uh, a large focus on recruiting uh especially mares and, and race fillies into uh, our breeding stock sales. So, uh, uh, you know, just kind of everyday bloodstock work. Very good stuff. Very good stuff. We've got some Gainesway connections we'll be talking about throughout the course of the show. We're going to do seven races today, so we may go a little bit quicker than we, we've done in the past on some of these. But one race, the race we're going to start off with, I, you, could, you could spend some time chatting about this second race at Saratoga on Sunday, there is weather in the forecast, but it's not supposed to come into the area as of now until more like two or three o'clock. Hopefully, we'll get lucky and dodge it entirely. But I do imagine the second race at 141 Eastern is going to stay on the turf. We've got two year old Phillies going a mile and a 16th. What did you think about this one, Sean? Um, well, I, I do think this race kind of goes through the two Clement horses, uh, Silvery Rail. Uh, must be working pretty pretty darn good there uh, in Saratoga. Obviously has a very steady work pattern over the turf there, which is a, a very strong advantage uh, when, you, when you're stabled there at Saratoga to be able to work over the turf. Um, uh, uh, daughter of Warfront out of the very good mare stays in Vegas. You get Joel Rosario and Christoph Clement. That's a, that's a deadly combination. And Mr. Clement is an extremely good first time out uh, two-year-old and older horse uh, trainer. So uh, certainly th- this looks like the one to beat on paper. Um, but I also like the four uh, with Tyler Gaffleone, the other Clement a little bit. Um, Kitten's Joy out of a very good mare, Strike at Rich. She's produced uh, some very top-level runners already. And uh, for the breeder Waterville Lake Stables to name the horse Waterville, uh, must tell you that there's got to be some talent there. So certainly, um, if we're looking to make money, I kind of like the six to one over the eight to five. But but we may see a, a pretty darn good performance there uh, from the five Silvery Rail. You know, the eight Barrett um, catches my eye a little bit. You get Vancouver, uh, who's a very good um, <clears throat> early uh, type. He was an early two year old himself and has been producing early early type runners. 
But uh, anytime I see an owner-trainer combination, gets me a little excited. I like the Junior Alvarado-Bill Mock connection there at 10-1. to 1. It Gives me back a little bit of memories of uh, Good Samaritan winning first time out at Saratoga for Bill Mock going <laughs> a mile and the 16th. So um, I think that horse could be very live as well. You, you mentioned the ones I was going to mention. It, it's an interesting, very interesting pedigree, I thought, on Barrett on the outside at that with that 10 to 1 price tag. I was thinking more underneath. For me, in terms of my betting approach to this race, I'm going to probably need the five silvery reel to be first or second. Uh, you mentioned the pedigree. This uh, The female family, now while this is the first foal from the dam, you don't have to poke too far to see a lot of things indicating turf and precocity, and obviously Warfront needs no introduction as well. How big of a deal is that for you when the go-to rider of a stable, in this case, Joel Rosario, shows up on one half of the uncoupled entry as opposed to another rider? Is it is there signal in it, or is it the kind of thing where everybody and their brother sees it so you, the 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 value you pick up the better price you pick up with Waterville more than makes up for the fact that that Rosario's on in this case I was going to give the five silvery reel clear preference over the four Waterville but I definitely respect the argument that since everybody sees that fact that it's not actually that valuable and maybe it makes sense to to include the four yeah, I mean, any any time you have you have first time starters and, and and two year olds, a lot can go wrong. I mean, this horse misses the break, and then the race is wide open. Um, so, you know, do you really want to take a really short price uh, on a first time starter? Now, this one has the breeding, has all the connections, and certainly they were never thinking anything but turf with this horse. If you look at the work pattern, so um, this one I think could be very well meant. But uh, if things go awry. Uh, I certainly think there's uh, plenty of money to be made uh, around it. Now, you did say that the the weather probably will hold off, but uh, if if the weather does come and this comes off the turf, uh, I'd say put all your money right there on the nine popular vote. Okay, popular vote, the one for Sean, if things happen to come off the turf and a few different ideas there of horses to focus on, should we stay on? Let's go to South Florida for a minute, Sean, and talk about Gulfstream's third race. You know, we want to obviously cover a lot of the stuff going on at Saratoga and Del Mar. That's where a whole lot of the action is. But we've got baby races all around the country, and we we don't want to um, ignore what's happening in some other states, especially because it was actually off the main beaten path that uh, you had your biggest success so far in this show last week with that that giant price winner at Ellis. Yeah, and and look, good good two-year-olds come from everywhere. Uh, we can go throughout the years and, and by the time we get to the Breeders' Cup and we're going to look back and you're going to have horses that have broken their maiden at Ellis, at Gulfstream, uh, all over the country, and they're all going to come together. So you, so you need to start paying attention. And I think by the time we start to get to the stakes races uh, at the end of the marquee meets, you're going to see some of these um, winners kind of c- come out of these uh, these races and start to show up in the stakes races. So it's always good to uh, to pay attention to, to all the baby races all over the country. And certainly there's a lot of quality down at Gulfstream Park. We saw that last year with Day Out of the Office, who broke her maiden there and, and then ended up, uh, you know, almost pulling off uh, the big the big race there at the Breeders' Cup. So uh, especially Gulfstream, um, you know, I think last week we, we had the winner basking there for Peter Brandt. Um, so I would expect to see, the, uh, you know, that horse kind of show up on a bigger stage too after that win. So, uh, 
it, you know, especially in our business, it, you know, good horses can come from anywhere. It doesn't matter. So uh, you better better keep the eyes open. And from a gambling point of view, it stands to reason that the market's going to be a bit more efficient and on it. I'm not sure if this is true, but in, it's my suspicion, my hypothesis, that the market's going to be a little bit more efficient um, when it comes to Del Mar and Saratoga than it might be this time of year at, at Gulfstream and Ellis. Here we've got in race number three, which goes at 1.58 p.m., two-year-old maiden Colts going seven and a half on the turf. What did you think of this race? Um <clears throat> You know, I, I think I, my top choice, actually, uh, that I want to make a big case for is the outside there, uh, the 10 horse, Kiss Principal, the McLean's Music, uh, Tim Ham. I like that it's been training down there in Florida for Tim. I like that on the 19th, you had a minute and four out of the gate, uh, came back with a strong minute and three, uh, five furlong work. So the fitness should be there. I just question the outside post. You know, you, if you get hung wide, especially in the seven and a half, uh, you can lose a lot of ground there, which can be very important for a young horse. But if this horse can can uh, clear, I think, uh, and set a set you know a moderate pace or 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 break well and kind of sit off uh, some horses to the inside, I think this horse um, has a big shot to run run a big race. And it's six to one, so I'm always looking for value. Um, but certainly the uh, the four horse, the first time starter for Mark Cassie, uh, you got to like like uh, his work pattern. You got to like that he. Uh, is by more than ready out of a Dynaform Amera homebred here for DJ Stable on thin ice. And uh, work pattern, again, is, is pretty good here. So uh, this horse is, I'm sure, well-meant and definitely bred for the turf. Uh, and then just to the outside of, of him is Eldon's Prince, uh, very expensive two-year-old by Kyle Prince. Uh, Ontario bred, so interesting to keep an eye on this one and, and where, the, where he may go down down the road, but certainly Safi Joseph, Edgar Zayas at Gulfstream are pretty deadly. Um, but you know, I, you know, the more than ready and, 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 and having that breeding, it, you know, may, maybe that's a little bit, uh, more of an angle to take versus the Kyle Prince. Um, although he's had some, some turf starters and, and winners, uh, and is a high price horse, $280,000 two-year-old. And that's at OBS where it's in synthetic surface. And so that kind of tends to uh, play a little bit more like a turf, uh, surface. So even though you don't see any turf works here, um, because the horse has been stable at Gulfstream Park, it worked over a synthetic surface, which is very similar to a turf. So you would think uh, that lends a little bit of uh, why they ended up here on the seven and a half. Um, trying to beat the favorite here. I think I'm going to go with the four as a top choice and uh, try to get Tim Ham, the, the 10 horse to kind of fill the exacta. I wanted to ask you about one of the ones that's run before number seven, classic film by Classic Empire out of uh, Bernardini Mare. We got that sad news yesterday about uh, about Bernardini, but uh, that's not why I wanted to mention this horse necessarily. I, I was wondering how big of an advantage you thought having a run over this configuration at Gulfstream just 14 days ago might be for this runner. Is, is he one we might want to keep in our mix as well? Well, I, I think certainly you got to watch the tote board. Uh, Ken Sweezy's very, uh, very capable of winning. Sammy Camacho, but you know this is. I think this is a case of uh, you know made this horse has been exposed a little bit already. Uh, you can you can say maybe draw a line through the first race, slow start, very green, but then they came back and they put the blinkers on the horse, and he still uh, you know even though he had some traffic trouble, still beating eight and three quarters lengths. 
Uh, Bill Mott, I remember uh, listening to him one time and, and, and having him comment, you know, a length or two lengths on the, you know, a length on the turf is, com- is, is comparable to about three lengths on the dirt. So if you're getting beat eight lengths on the turf already, um, you know, I, I'd have to say we're going different places here. 24 and 26 buyer already. Um, these, these other first time stars are going to have to stub their toe pretty hard to, to ha- let this horse win, I think. That sounds fair to me. I was liking the race mostly, mostly five and four, just based on all all the cases that you made before. We'll see how it plays out in that third race at Gulfstream. I've mentioned Ellis Park a couple of times. We'll move on next to their sixth race. While I let you uh, get caught up and get caught up myself, grabbing the right PP, I did want to just I wanted to throw an idea out there for study. We got a lot of horse players here. Some of them do have access to various databases. Two questions I'd love answered. One, we talked about a bit before with the Clement uncoupled entry. I'd love to see stats per trainer, like real stats, not just horse players complaining that, you know, according to a horse player, it's the longer half of the uncoupled entry that wins pretty much every race. But how cool would it be to see some hard data about guys like Clement and Chad Brown and Bob Baffert and Todd Pletcher? And if you could get some real numbers about what happens when they have an uncoupled entry and one is the shorter price, one is the longer price. I, I almost guarantee that we could, that we could find uh, we could find some signal in there. And, and then in terms of uh, the, the other thing, I got to be honest, I had another idea of something to study in maiden races and it's flipped out of my head for the moment, but I'll, I'll, it'll come back to me and we'll bring it up either later in this show or in another show. But anybody out there who has access to numbers and wants to run that, I'll help you write an article and we'll, we'll pop it right up there on, on in the money What's your sense of it though, Sean, just uh, as somebody in the industry? Do you, well, I mean, you know, what pops in my mind is, is any, anybody who watches TVG regularly, you always hear about the longer price Baffert. And how many times, uh, you know, that has uh, the longer price Baffert has, has come and, and won. So, you know, I do think if if one of these trainers, especially a Todd Pletcher, a Bob Baffert, these 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 big name trainers, when they come in with with a couple different horses, usually one is, is the talking horse. But let's be realistic. You know, not too many of, of, of those trainers lead over one that's not very capable. Um, right. Certainly one one that one that comes to mind is Burbonic upsetting the uh, Wood Memorial there, Todd Pletcher. I think, what was it, 70 to 1? When's the last time you got a $140 <laughs> Pletcher horse? So um, anytime one of these Hall of Famers lead one over, you got to respect it. Um, and certainly when they have multiple horses in there, uh, one's going to probably get all the attention and, and one's going to get uh, a little overlooked and you're going to get a better price. So um, it's definitely something to pay attention to. Okay, race number five at Ellis. Seven furlongs on the dirt for these two-year-old maiden special weights. 342 Eastern is the post time. Where did your eye go here? Well, I was looking at the six at Ellis Park, the five and a half furlong on the turf for two-year-old fillies. Oh, well, let's go to that race then. (laughs) And I didn't look at the seventh race. So, um, well, you know, the one, the devil you say uh, for Steve Asterson, kind of coming right close to the uh, all-time leading trainers wins. Um, this this horse is a uh, high-priced October yearling, $130,000. It's a half sibling to uh, the stakes winner, uh, Abrogate, that Steve Asmussen trained uh, to win the Purple Martin at Oaklawn Park uh, this this past winter. Uh, certainly, this ho- this uh, filly looks, looks well-meant. Um, and then you also have uh, the six, My Dawn, who is the, the heavy favorite, nine to five. 
Um, certainly already having a race under her belt, Golden Sense, uh, for Joe Sharp, Brad Grady, good connections, only beaten one length there, uh, going five and a half at Ellis. So on the 4th of July. So, you know, I think those are, are, are your two top choices, but there was a couple, uh, Philly, Phillies here, uh, for a little bit, um, smaller name trainers that I do think, uh, have a shot. I do kind of like the eight on the outside for Brian Williamson, the 35 and two gate, uh, bullet work there on the 25th of July. So you would have to think that that horse has some gate speed. Um, you know, Brian Williamson has trained plenty of, of stakes winners in, in his career. Uh, doesn't always have the best first out uh, percentage, but you know, things things can always uh, outrun horses can always outrun their trainer stats. Um, so I do kind of like the eight a little bit to at least fill some of the exotics. And then Michael Ewing, who's always been known to to blow up the tote board occasionally with, she's got Corey Lannery aboard, one of the leading riders at Ellis Park. And and although it's a very short sample size, there are fifty percent winners uh, together when 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 they when they team up. And uh, that work pattern at the Thoroughbred Training Center, which is a deep, slow track uh, where Run Happy came out of to win all of his races, um, is, is, is a horse that really interests me. Bourbon Princess is her name. I'm a big Liam's Map fan. You get six to one. You get a top jock on a first-time starter. Um, you know, the, the one thing about the devil you say is, is she is drawn down inside, so she's got one, op- one option, and that's to go. Um, so being a first-time star and drawn down the rail, that gives me a little bit of hesitation. Um, the horse uh, of Joe Sharps with the one start under her belt probably is the, is the most likely uh, horse to beat there. But, but the five and eight give me some, uh, some uh, kind of juicy exotic options, I think. I like the sound of that very much. I will rewind for a minute to race five just because I did have one interesting, well, what I think is interesting angle. You tell me, Sean, on a horse in this race, and that's number four, Wicked Genius by Wicked Strong. But the interesting angle here for me was on the dam side. So Palace Pier is a dam who's had in aggregate amongst her foals 20 winners out of, I think it was eight of them, and none of them won first out. And then here's Wicked Genius, who actually I thought ran okay, making a move into a fast pace on debut at Ellis, now coming back for the for the second start. And the, the other obvious thing here in Angle, you'll you'll hear uh, me talk about a lot on the on the various podcasts. Whenever you see that sale price, that's a significant multiple of the the stud fee. I take a look. Now, granted, maybe some of that has to do with that aforementioned success that Palace Pier had. But here you have one by Wicked Strong, $3,500 stud fee that was a $55,000 purchase back in October of 2020. So I, I, I'll, I'll submit Wicked Genius as one to take a look at if you want a little bonus coverage at Ellis Park on this Sunday card. Um, anything else leap out at you to you at any of the at either of those Ellis races or shall we move it out west? Well, I mean, certainly uh, I, I hear what you're saying there. And Palace Pier has been a, a very good producer uh, over the years, and and anytime you see that type of uh, that type of purchase price, it gets you a little excited. Kenny McPeak knows how to pick out a good one, and you know that that was a pretty good first start there, especially going seven first time out. That's not an easy distance for any type of horse uh, to come out, especially a two year old. So, I would say that, that that Wicked Genius certainly has the fitness uh, advantage here, uh, not only. Not only that, and, and the uh, you know the the education, uh, but the seven beach holiday is also one. Uh, you know this this 
this uh, Colt here is uh, maybe the next essential quality for for Brad Cox, for all we know, being the end of mischief out of the, the multiple grade one winner, Cocoa Beach. I believe she was a multiple grade one winner, just going off the top of my head. Um, so regal, regal breeding there, homebred for Godolphin, um, Brad Cox, Martin Garcia. And uh, so certainly McPeak has has the fitness and the education advantage, but Beach Holiday on uh, on breeding is looks like could could be one of those talking horses. Coco Beach won the Bell Dame back in two thousand eight and had some other had some other stakes wins. I'm not sure if there was another Grade One in the mix, but close enough. We'll let you we'll let you in we'll let you in off the goalpost for for that one, Sean. And has had some other has has had other foals to race. Uh, th- three other foals to race that have won, I think. So I mean, definitely plenty of pedigree there. Some interesting ways to go at Ellis Park. Let's talk about Del Mar. We've got three two year old races. I'm going to actually be doing a little seminar with Frank Scatoni as part of his Del Mar live show. You can look for that. I'll, I'll send it out on Twitter. I think it'll probably be on the, I think Del Mar have their own YouTube page where, where it's going to air. And I, he asked me what races I was interested in, in the Sunday card. And my eye went right to these two-year-old races. The first one of which is race number two, 530 Eastern for these two-year-old maidens going the flat five on the turf. Curious to hear what you think. And if it backs up the horses I was planning on talking about with him. Yeah, well, uh, I'm drawn straight to the six horse, Urban. This is a, a filly. This is a, a Colts race where we see a couple fillies uh, show up in here. So uh, pretty excited. Uh, you know, Alex Solis picked out Urban there at the uh, Faisy Tipton Timonium sale, uh, $375,000 two-year-old. We get uh, Umberto Raspoli there with Simon Callahan on the turf. Um, I know they've been chomping the bit to get this filly going. So uh, pretty excited to see her go. I'm, I'm going to circle her up as uh, as my top choice. But certainly uh, two other horses that, that come to, to mind here is, is the two, uh, Time to Party. You get Peter Miller, Fra- Flavian Pratt, uh, first time out. Cantharos is an excellent uh, turf sprinting uh, sire and, and a precocious uh, producing sire. So I think that horse has has all type of um, legitimate uh uh, chances to win here, but also the seven where you get a little bit better price. You get Joe Bravo outside where he likes to be. Uh, and you get the hit at the bomb who, uh, you know, is kind of a sneaky, uh, good sire on the, on producing turf winners. And it looks like, uh, the seven and the two were workmates and, uh, the seven has been working right along side that horse, even though you get a Flavian on the two, which maybe that means that Peter likes that, that horse a little bit more, not, not, ex- not quite sure, but but him and Joe Bravo in a small sample size since Joe has taken his tack out to the West Coast of 33% together. Um, so, you know, I, I could see uh, see the seven kind of maybe uh, coming late to uh, to pick up pieces or maybe upset it. But uh, I'm going to go with the six uh, rooting for the home team here to have a nice big performance. Oh, yeah, I get it. And those were definitely the three that I was eyeing as well. I wanted to ask you about the Philly against the boys thing. From what I've heard, especially at two, uh, I've heard horsemen say that, that, and I've heard this more from English horsemen than American horsemen. So I'm curious if it's, if it's also a thing here. But the idea is that especially in these two-year-old races, Phillies can actually kind of have an advantage or certainly not be at a disadvantage against the boys because they tend to be lighter frame, lighter framed, easier to get completely race fit, especially when you're talking about coming first up. Have you ever heard that before? Do you buy it? No, I, I agree. I, I do think, um, you know, these, these two-year-old fillies, you know, um, 
especially in Europe, you, and they probably get a bigger weight break over in Europe as well um, than they do here. But uh, definitely as two-year-olds, there's, you know, there's not a whole lot to to separate them, especially, you know, a lot of these are first-time stars and stuff. And, and Phillies have every chance to to outrun the boys in these races. I also like that she's drawn to the outside. Uh, I do think that's, an, you know, when you do run the Phillies, um, even – it's a little bit more of an advantage when they're outside versus inside because that way uh, they're not going to be as intimidated, you know, horses on the inside, especially Phillies can get a little bit intimidated where she's drawn to the outside. Um, it doesn't look like that's going to be an issue. I think that's a, I think that's a good point. And as for choosing the spot of uh, Philly versus the Colts, is it just a question? Do you figure of what, where the different races are, are coming up in the book? Well, and, and I do think it was a little bit of an issue of, um, race is not going. So, uh, yeah. this is the, you know, got to get her, got to get her going. So, uh, this was, this was a, a, a good spot to get her started and, uh, and fingers crossed she runs to her uh, price tag. All right. Race number three, we got another maiden double. We had one on Saturday at Del Mar. We do the same thing back on Sunday. And, uh, I, I, I was, uh, trying to, to make this a place to have a stronger opinion I was pretty interested in the number two Haskold, funny name, in this spot for uh, for Doug O'Neill. I the Baffert runners are both very live. I get it, but it seemed like maybe not a terrible spot to try to to try to oppose them with a runner like this. We've talked a lot on these shows already about practical joke. You've got some precocity on the other side of the pedigree as well. I was thinking of taking a little swing in that direction, but what are your thoughts? I, the first, when I pulled up these PPs, the first thing that came to my mind was this is a monster race. This is this is what two-year-old summer Delmar racing is all about right here, I think. Um, the Bafferts both look very talented. Um, the two-horse... Uh, I was kind of uh, intrigued. I was wondering if this horse was named prior to the Haskell or was named no uh, after the Haskell, after. as as after. as they are, <laughs> as they are, are the same connections as uh, Hot Rod Charlie here. Um, so yeah, I, you know, look, uh, I kind of landed on the five in bar, uh, on, on my top choice. Uh, you look at the, the strong works over the Delmar surface, uh, two straight bullet works out of the gate. Uh, Bob Baffert and Bayoma Corp, they always fire with, with some really talented horses every year. Um, you know, I think his horse, Bob's horses are always well meant when they come out first time. Uh, certainly the one Pinehurst, you get Mike Smith on, on that. And, and again, you know, here's where we go to, uh, you know, uh, Bob put Mike Smith on the one, he put Abel Cedillo on the five and, uh, you know, is that because he likes the one more Is he like, or, or, or not. So, um, I, I'm still landing on the five as, as my top choice over uh, the one as far as the Baffert runners. Uh, I just would rather be in the five hole versus the one hole in this race. But the two, Haskell definitely jumps out at me. Uh, another solid gate work last time out on the 24th at Del Mar, which I think is always a very positive sign when you have a work over the track you're going to run on. Practical Joke keeps showing up and, and producing uh, top-level uh, two-year-olds so far. I love that this horse – this colt is out of an elusive quality mare, elusive royalty. Uh, he, he's shaping up to be an outstanding broodmare sire. So that's just speed on speed. But I was also drawn a little bit to the seven horse. You know, as, as you said, you know, all three of those horses we talked about are going to be very short prices. But the other Doug O'Neill horse, I, I'm a big fan of 
Cantheros, um, San Luis Ray working very good down there. Had a minute and four uh, bullet gate work last time out on the 29th of uh, of July, which is interesting. So probably this horse is not going to run here if if I was going to uh, being it that it's the 31st and and doing a little bit of uh, on uh, on air homework, I guess. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I guess let's let's just draw a line through the seven. I doubt that horse is going to show up after a, a five furlong gate work two days ago, but. Uh, yeah. When I was first looking at it, that horse did have some interest. So we'll see where that horse does show up. Keep that one circled in the virtual stable. Let's talk about Cantheros for a minute. Because if you just asked me anecdotally Cantheros, I would have said, you know, turf sprint all the way. But you look at the dirt sprint numbers and they're actually just as good. They're actually a little better. 16% mm-hmm. overall turf sprinting and 17% on the dirt. So it just goes to show sometimes you get these things stuck in your head and, and they're not they're not necessarily true. Just one other point to make on number two Haskell that I that I like the fact that Elusive Royalty has had uh, has had four make it to the races and, and, and be winners. Something I'm always looking for in these in these spots. And yeah, we'll see how it plays out. If you're interested in an even deeper dive on that race, I'm pretty sure Frank and I will go will go way into it tomorrow when we've got a little bit more time. But for now, we're going to move ahead to race number six, where we've got the two-year-old Phillies going one mile on the turf here at Del Mar, 7.30 Eastern, the scheduled post time for this one. And I just kept going back and forth and and kept putting horses on and taking them off the short list. I was left a little befuddled by this one, Sean. I'm hoping you have a stronger opinion. <laughs> um, I, I think if you can, if you can get, get a good opinion on this race, you will get paid. Um, you know, there was two, two horses that have already run once that, uh, that got me a little, little interested. I, I like the nine babies dream. That's probably going to be my top choice. Um, uh, especially, uh, if, if McKinnon, a horse that we talked about that's running Saturday, uh, comes back and runs well, this, this baby's dream for the DeSormo brothers, uh, and, and I just love this this pedigree going two turns on the turf. You got Declaration of War over Yahtzee Queen, who's a kitten's joy mare. Uh, it's screaming that that this horse is going to love going going a route of ground. Already has uh, one race under its belt, so so here we go. Um, going to be hard to to beat this horse, I think. But uh, out just outside the nine is the ten, very scary, um, who ran a, a decent race. Um, in its first start, and now we're going from from dirt to turf. Um, can't say that that connect for me would be a horse that I would say would be a great influence for turf. Uh, the hard spun mare could could help that. Um, so I, I, you know, that one is kind of a head scratcher for me. But you do get Flavian Pratt aboard. Um, I'm going with the nine. But then I, what I really liked, and and, and two horses that uh, are first time starters. I thought. Uh, have a have a big shot to uh, to maybe win, but also uh, help Phil Exotics are the seven a crown for kitten, uh, kitten's joy mare over an empire maker. It's bred to be a, a turf horse. I like that you're getting the five pound bug aboard. Anytime you can get a little weight break, I think that's that's an advantage, especially for the babies. Uh, you know this this horse. It's all about whether it's going to get out there and and uh, and I think I think you know the break. Is it would be important for this horse if it gets a good position and, and doesn't lose, uh, get too far back from from the horses that have already run. Uh, a crown for kitten um, is is a horse that I think has a big shot here getting the weight. 
but also uh, the other DeSormo, the one horse, Beachgrass. I'm a big fan of Bali Bali. We've seen a, a stakes winner from Bali Bali already. Uh, we've seen several winners from Bali Bali uh, in his first initial two-year-old crop this year. Uh, decent works, um, you know, but these are turf horses that are are working on the dirt. So I wouldn't be expecting to see anything flashy by by them. So uh, Beachgrass and uh, a Crown for Kitten both have average works for them, but they're on the dirt. Um, so that's more of a pedigree play for me and you're getting 12 to one and, uh, and what, and six to one, uh, on those two horses. So if you're looking for, uh, for some horses to, to help you with, uh, fill the exotics, I think both those first time starters could be interesting. I like that idea. I have one more to add to the spread, maybe pending your, pending your approval. Uh, number six, Fliplet by Texas Red. Texas Red has had some real success turf routing so far with four winners from 17 starters. And I'm not seeing a whole lot on the on the damn side in terms of uh, the immediate family that, that gets me excited. But but the, this is a runner who I think might be able to run okay first out and, and I'm guessing could be could be a double figure price. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> same thing here. If 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 you're just if you just don't like uh the favorites, then this horse can you can certainly make a case. I mean, anytime you see a horse come from Northern California down to Southern California, they must think it has a little bit of ability. I like its last work there uh out of the gate and um you know, I don't know much about Andy Mathis, but uh Kyle Fry is is a good rider. You get 12 to 1. Texas Red certainly you're not going to have to worry about whether or not uh, you're going to be able to get the distance. That horse is a good uh, in influence on stamina. And like you said, the stats don't lie on his uh, route turfers. So, look, I this race is pretty wide open. And and like we said when we start, first started talking about the race, if you can find an opinion here that you like, you probably got a good chance of getting paid on it. Let's go full circle and come back east for two-year-old stakes action in the Colleen with $100,000 in the pot at Monmouth Park. This is their 10th race on Sunday, five furlongs on the turf. Sean, what do you think of these uh, babies? Yeah, excited to, to see some stakes horses go here this weekend. Uh, five furlongs on the turf. I kind of landed on the one um, at, at first, even though this horse is a maiden. Um, it's Kodama is is her name, Christophe Clement, uh, and Blinkers on, uh, 16% when he adds the Blinkers. And, um, you know, ran, has run two respectable uh, two respectable races uh, at, at Belmont. And, uh, you know, also coming out of the same race as, as Sail By, who I think uh, has a big shot in here as well. Um, so I like Kodama. I like the... Um, I like the breeding, but but the one thing that kind of got me on board here is is I like that that she's cutting back from six furlongs in her last back to five furlongs. She showed speed last time out, um, and you add the blinkers, so and you got the rail. So I say we're gonna run and go here. Um, I, I think with the blinkers on, having being its third lifetime start, being that Christophe Clement is willing to 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 put her on a van and ship her down to Monmouth for a stakes race tells me that, that he has a lot of confidence in this Philly. So um, even though she's a maiden, I, I think she's got a big shot. Uh, the five sail by who beat Kodama in her last, certainly um, I think she's got every right to, to vie for favor favoritism here possibly. 
Uh, Astern, we've seen several winners by this freshman sire out of a Johar mare. So that's turf on turf. Um, again, she's cutting back from six furlongs to five, but she didn't show any speed in her first race. Um, you know, tipped out at, at down the, down the lane and, uh, and got up, uh, to win by one and a half. So, so certainly got some, some ability there. Uh, Leah Jaramati is a, a good trainer of two-year-olds. Um, I think those are my, my top two picks at the moment. And then certainly Wesley, anytime he comes in with a, uh, a two-year-old that's broken its maiden by 10 lengths, you gotta be, uh, you gotta be, uh, cognizant of it. But, um, I, I just was trying to trying to beat Wesley. Um, you know, he's five to two here with Paco. Um, but this is a New York bred that won a, t- uh, a New York bred, uh, maiden at Belmont on the dirt. And now it's going to an open turf stakes race. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with the Phillies that have already been on the lawn um, and, and try to beat uh, Wesley at a short price. I, I hear you. I was going to pick number six, Miss Alacrity, for our pals over at CJ Thoroughbreds. Munnings, obviously, they'll run on anything. But I take your point in that I, you don't see a ton of, of turf, uh, to say the least, in this in this female family. Just gender is the damn by Menifee. But I like the fact that not only did did she win so big, but didn't it wasn't just a pure speed blitz. I did pass a Philly at least early in this race in that race, and was one I was hoping to be able to keep on side in my in my gimmicks anyway. But but a lot of a lot of good ideas and some some Phillies with a, with a future. Maybe your idea on Kodama makes the most sense, if only because I think that that being a maiden factor can sometimes add a little bit of juice to the price. But when you're looking at figures, you know, other than the one who, who beat her, extremely competitive. I wouldn't, to me, at this time of the year, in a, in a two-year-old stakes race, I wouldn't hold the being a maiden thing against against a horse at all. I mean, heck, we've at this point seen, uh, seen maidens win uh, Breeders' Cup juvenile races. So it <laughs> doesn't seem like any disadvantage to me. And the market may see it as one. Absolutely. And, and you know... Uh, it, it's one thing uh, when you're a first-time maiden running against winners in, in a spot like this, but the fact that she's already had two races, both times went off basically favored. Um, so, you know, Kristoff isn't isn't quick to make changes, so you could understand why he's just now putting the blinkers on in the third start. Um, and I do think that that is a big equipment change uh, in this. I think that's going to keep this Philly – probably more focused on, on her job. It says she was out finished in her last race. So maybe she got looking around, maybe she, you know, who knows? Uh, but these babies can make big jumps from start to start. And, uh, this one just has, has a feel that, uh, that we could see it upset this race. Great stuff. All right. We'll see what happens, Sean, with Kodama in the stake at mom with some good ideas as well here and elsewhere. We went longer than I thought. Time flies when you're having fun, Sean. I've really been enjoying doing these shows with you getting your perspective. It's so great to hear that combination of industry knowledge and horse player knowledge. That's what these baby talk shows sponsored by Gainesway are all about. Well, thank you one more time. We'll thank your colleagues over at uh, Gainesway as well. Before I get to the rest of the of the thank yous, you got a, a closing thought for this baby talk for Sunday, August 1st? Oh, just excited to see how uh, how all these races we've looked at pan out. 
It was a real mouthful today. We, we went over a lot of races uh, all over the country and uh, just excited to see how, uh, how they all run and, uh, and, you know, start to see the cream rise to the top and uh, that we're closer we are to, uh, to the big uh, two-year-old stakes races coming up. Going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to get you uh, here in Saratoga. Look at some of these babies over in the paddock. Going to be a ton of fun. I did some thank yous already, but thanks most of all to all of you, the listeners uh, and viewers, though we don't have video for this one, but when we have viewers, viewers too, for making these shows so much fun to do. Holler at us with your thoughts. Let us know what you think in themoneypodcast.com. There's a contact tab on there. That's probably the easiest way, or you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Looms Boldly. He's at Sean Tugel. And that's going to do it. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May the hammer drop your way. <laughs>